This is tragic theater. In the previous episode, Annie witnessed a dramatic change in her possessed body with the evil entity's sudden departure and soon realized what had been obvious all along. Tragic Theater Chapter 15, A Long Forgotten Name The screaming stopped. Leto gave up on his futile effort to break free. The exhaustion calmed him down. He began to feel the pain of his gunshot wound as his shoulder bathed in blood. The bullet exited through the back. Ed pressed a handkerchief on it to stop the bleeding. The rest tried to shake off the tension brought about by the incident. Most of them, especially the women, were still trembling from the experience. And since they were all outside, none of them heard the banging on the door inside the lobby. Eldon asked, So what do we do with him? I don't know, Mormon answered back. Let's ask Father if we can bring him to the hospital. I'll go ask. Okay. Arlene, where are the spirits now? Are they still here? Nearly spent Arlene tried hard to keep her psychic senses up and running. When she closes her eyes her mind is able to have visions of spirits that are nearby. They appear to her as hazy white figures moving about. After a while she announced the news. I don't see them. Huh? I don't see any of them. Are they gone? Maybe, or they could have returned to the main theater. I cast you out, unclean spirit, along with every satanic power of the enemy, every specter from hell, and all your fell companions, in the name of our Lord. As Bishop Aquilia exorcised the demon, Nick and Father Marcello were desperately trying to remove the woman's hand from Gil's neck, but their combined effort was no match to the vice-like grip she had on her. Her arm was an immovable object as Gil kept punching it to loosen her grip. Only got worse as his neck was squeezed even more. Annie saw herself back at the scene of the crime on that fateful night. She was lying flat on the ground. Grass was all around. It was dark. The moon was up. She was facing the silhouette of a man. It looked like her rapist. The nightmare that always haunted her in sleep was back once more. Except this time, something was very different, even strange. She was holding the man by the neck. For the first time, she had the upper hand. He was struggling to free himself but she would not let go. Her strength was overpowering, her muscles were in control. Cold, merciless blood from years of anger, countless nightmares and endless personal battles were flowing through her veins. At long last, Annie was getting her revenge as she squeezed him out of his last breath. Kill him, do it for yourself, do it for Joanna. A voice was telling her over and over. Begone and stay far from this creature of God. For it is he who commands you, he who flung you headlong from the heights of heaven into the depths of hell. Gil had almost given up. His eyes were wide open as life was about to leave him. He looked up, pleading for mercy. Father Marcello saw this. He bent his head down to look Annie in the eye. He put her face in between the palm of his hands and spoke. Fight this demon. Don't let it use you to take someone's life away. Annie got distracted and confused when Father Marcello's face unexpectedly appeared. She did not quite hear what he said. His voice sounded very distant. But seeing him made her remember what she had earlier asked from the Lord. Teach me how to forgive. Help me overcome resentment. Enlighten my heart. The words echoed in her mind. As she looked at the helpless man, dying before her very eyes, she realized it was time. It was time to forgive. It was time to let go. The grip suddenly loosened. The hand abruptly pulled back. Gil fell to the floor coughing and panting. He cried unabashedly thinking he had almost lost his life. 
There was no chance for Father Marcelo or Mick to see if he was alright as they immediately pinned Annie's arms to the floor. They used both their hands to hold each arm. The demon inside her started screaming and bellowing in Latin. It was cursing continuously. Annie's legs kicked violently. Bishop Aguili held her feet together but could not control their movement. He got kicked hard in the stomach. But he did not let go amidst the severe pain. Slow in getting up and still crying, Bill crawled in and with his remaining strength, tied Annie's feet with his belt. To keep both feet from kicking, Bill had to put his weight on them. The bishop leaned back, recovering from the punishment received by his aging body. He continued the ritual over the screams and the noise generated by the wind. Hearken, therefore, and tremble in fear, Satan, you enemy of the faith, you foe of the human race, you begetter of death, you robber of life, you corrupter of justice, you root of all evil and vice, seducer of men, betrayer of the nations, instigator of envy, font of avarice, fomenter of discord, author of pain and sorrow. Why, then, do you stand and resist, knowing as you must that Christ the Lord brings your plans to nothing? Fear him, who in Isaac was offered in sacrifice, in Joseph sold into bondage, slain as the paschal lamb, crucified as man, yet triumphed over the powers of hell. Begone, then, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The bishop traced the sign of the cross on Annie's brow three times. These elicited even louder screams from the beasts. He trained the flashlight on Annie's face and saw the fangs growing back. He forced a few drops of holy water into her mouth. But she spit it out. What is your name and purpose? Bishop Aquili demanded with authority. The demon refused to answer. What is your time of departure? I will not depart. Was its angry response. I adjure you, ancient serpent, by the judge of the living and the dead, by your creator, by the creator of the whole universe, by him who has the power to consign you to hell, to depart forth within fear, along with your savage minions, from this servant of God, Miss Annie Francisco, who seeks refuge in the fold of the church. I can't open the door. Eldon returned in a hurry. What? The door stuck just like the other time. Teresa asked. What do we do? Let's all try. They may be trying to get out. Norman replied. They left Marla with Erwin, who nursed his bloody nose, and the two guards. Inside the lobby, they immediately proceeded to the door. Norman and Eldon pulled the handles on both panels. None would open. The women helped out but it did not make any difference. We need more muscles, Norman admitted, and something else. Depart, then, transgressor. Depart, seducer, full of lies and cunning, full of virtue, persecutor of the innocent. Give place abominable creature, give way, you monster, give way to Christ, in whom you found none of your works. For he has already stripped you of your powers and laid waste your kingdom, bound you prisoner and plundered your weapons. Bishop Aquili paused. The wind was making it hard for him to read. The book rested on his left hand while his right held the flashlight and, at the same time, kept the pages from turning. Some were so torn that they were about to fly loose. The demon was making the situation really difficult for him. He may have dealt with this particular being before, the demon itself hinted so. But he encountered quite a number of them that he could not recall which one. Then he remembered. He remembered scribbling a name on one of the book's pages many, many years ago. It was during another case of exorcism in Ila Ruo City, a case that ended tragically. There were certain similarities between that and this present case. He glanced at the stage. He stared on the floor. 
the bishop shuddered at the very thought. Could it be? He asked himself. To everyone's surprise, he started scanning all the pages in the book. This demon had struck again. He knew its name and he knew its purpose. He was not going to stand by and see another woman lose her soul. Father Marcello could only look in amazement, curious at what the bishop was up to. Meanwhile, his strength was getting sapped holding Annie down. Her arm was determined to break free from his grip. Bishop Aquili finally found the page. There on top of page 64, he faded in, was the name he had written down. A name he never wanted to ever hear again. Out of his pocket he took the brass figurine of Jesus Christ that came off from the broken crucifix. He held it in his hand and, as he spoke, used it to trace the sign of the cross of Annie. I command thee, Tumberius. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, depart from the servant of God. The demon erupted in incredible fury at the mention of its name. It roared like a beast in deafening loudness. The man endured the pain it was causing to their eardrums. Bishop Aquili, sensing he had hit the mark, placed the brass figurine on Annie's chest, right above the heart, and sprinkled her whole body with holy water before continuing. I command thee, Tumberius, whose despicable purpose was to take the victim's soul, depart from the servant of God. Annie's eyes rolled in their sockets. Blood began streaming down from her nostrils. Her whole face turned red. I command thee, Tumberius, whose hour of departure has come, and that time is now, depart from this servant of God. Not letting up, the bishop turned around and started sprinkling the whole theater with holy water. The demon threw Annie, struggled to break through. Nate and Father Marcello held their ground, as did Gil. I cast you out, Tumberius, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Depart and stay away from this forsaken place. Attempting to draw the being away from Annie, Bishop Aquili stood at the middle aisle and blessed the seats on both sides. The wind tried to topple him down but he kept his feet firmly planted on the ground. He almost tripped on the wooden ladder lying on the floor but was able to hold on to his seat. He walked towards the stage and sprinkled holy water on it as well. Leave. Annie screamed at the darkness. I reject you. I reject your presence. She could not see anything but she felt herself being pulled from her body. She wanted to resist but was physically powerless to do so. You will not take me with you. I reject Satan and all his dominions. She declared. I offer myself to the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. The roaring stopped. Father Marcello saw Annie go into some kind of shock. Her head rose up a couple of inches. Her mouth remained open but no sound came out. Her lips were moving like she was reciting a prayer. He silently prayed with her. All of a sudden, a strange odor exited from her mouth. It had a strong smell of sulfur. As it came to pass, Annie's head went down again. Begone, Tumberius, and stay far from this place forever. The door to the lobby was slowly opening. On the other side, the combined strength of Norman, Eldon, Ed, Irwin, and the shirtless Marlowe was able to finally do the job. Gil saw this and immediately helped out by pushing it from the inside. Pull some more. Norman yelled over the din of the room. Okay, now. From behind them, Teresa and Ruth appeared with the band's spare tire. They hurriedly rolled into the widening gap in the doorway. Lay it there. The two women did just that. The wheel fell into place. Satisfied, the men let go of the door handle. The door slammed onto the tire's thread. 
the spare tire was stuck in between the door panel that was pulled open and the one that remained closed, effectively creating a steady opening through which they could pass. Norman and Eldon rushed in. They were greeted with the sight of Annie down on the floor with Mick and Father Marcella. How is she, Father? Norman asked. It's not over yet. She is still possessed? I don't know. Where's the bishop? Norman saw him with a flashlight coming out of the tunnel beside the stage. Assist him. He might lose his footing. Yes, Father. Another scream erupted, but this time it was different. It was Annie's voice. Eyes shut. She shook her head hysterically. Get me out. Get me out. The priest lifted her up. Annie placed her arms around his neck and pressed her head against his shoulder. She held him tight. He quickly exited through the door and brought her outside. Mick and Gil followed close behind. Norman approached Bishop Aquili who was preparing to leave after seeing the open door and Father Marcelo carrying the victim out. He got his leather case which was lying on top of the stage. Your Excellency let me get that for you. He handed his things to him and headed for the door with Norman holding his arm. The wind slowed them down. Eldon, after retrieving the tape recorder, came over to help them ascend the steps faster. Just before they reached the door, the bishop saw the same ghostly figure he had seen earlier. The apparition happened right in front of him. His two companions, however, did not show any indication that they witnessed it too. With a closer view, Bishop Aquili was able to see the face more clearly. It was a young woman. She was not looking at him. Rather, her gaze was directed upwards. Then the woman slowly vanished as he passed. He tried to look back but could not see her anymore. Outside, Father Marcello laid Annie on the floor away from the main entrance. She was half-conscious and shivering. The priest removed his shirt and placed it over her blouse. For a long moment, they looked into each other's eyes as he held her hand. No words were exchanged but each one understood what the other wanted to say. Lana came over with a box of tissue. She wiped off the blood and cold sweat from Annie's face. She dabbed her swollen lips. Once more, the fangs had disappeared. Arlene checked the lesions on her arms and legs. Some cuts were quite deep, especially those on the arms. Father, I think we should bring her to the hospital, together with Marlo and Lido. What happened to them? Arlene gave him a quick recount of the events that transpired. He saw Army attending to the injured guard whose hands and feet were bound. Lido seemed to have been freed of possession. He was conscious and obviously wincing in pain. It was already fifteen minutes past five in the early morning. In the distance, a couple of early joggers were curiously looking on. Bishop Aquili got out of the building a moment later with the rest of the group. Norman briefed him as well on what happened to them. He went over to Annie and observed her carefully. How is she, Father Nilo? She's back. I think we got rid of it. But we need to have her medically checked. And the guard. Ah, yes. The bishop agreed. Let's pack up quickly. The sooner we get out of here the better for everyone. Annie and the guard were taken to the van. They soon left for the nearby hospital of Manila. Eldon drove Annie's car and trailed them. Inside the van, Bishop Aquili made a careful observation before concluding the ritual with the recitation of the Athanasian Creed on both victims of possession. But his mind was bothered. 